One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. At the United States Postal Service, we deliver fast and affordably for small biz, big box, large scale, wholesale, retail, B2B, B2C, ASAP. USPS, delivering for America. Learn more at usps.com slash delivering. You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Goldilocks Productions broadcasts universal cosmic frequencies that unlock, awaken, and expand the consciousness of our worldwide viewers and listeners. Goldilocks Productions presents the Inspiration from Spirit show with your host, Reverend Lee Chapin. The focus and goal for this show is to assist humanity in the awakening of a new level of consciousness that will bring peace to planet Earth. Welcome, I'm Lee Chapin. Well, I'm back again. You know, I, I come one week and then the next week I'm not here, so I'm I'm back again. Anyhow, I'm really delighted to have my special guest today, Karen Kaplan. She was with me several weeks ago talking about her book, Descendants of Rygrod. We're going to talk about that book again briefly, but we're going to talk about the exciting news of uh, her being selected for the LA Film Festival for that script that is being made or going to be made in a movie and her new book, the sequel to Descendants of Rygrod. So Karen, for those of you who've joined me before, know Karen from my previous show, Inspiration from the Spirit and this show, you are in for a big delight today. So we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about her book. We're talking about this group. We're going to talk about that sequel. We're going to talk about entity attachments. So stay tuned. So Karen was born and raised in West Rogers Park, a Jewish neighborhood in the north side of Chicago. She received her BA from the University of Illinois in Chicago Nutrition and Medical Dietetics. She also trained at the Clariat Center of Hyde Park, Illinois, as a spiritual director. She maintained a private practice and lectured for many years throughout the Chicago metropolitan area on general health, weight loss, and spirituality. After her father died, Karen began to write a memoir about her father's life. And Karen tells the story of her father, Eric Copland, who, after surviving the Holocaust in the forests of Eastern Europe, limped through the rest of his life by lying, cheating, abusing his family, and never letting go of his rage. Many years later, her father, who was on his deathbed, Karen 
was extremely unhappy as a single mother realized that she was consumed with a similar feeling of rage. She began keeping a journal and in the course of writing about her father, starts to understand that she has inherited her survivor mentality and at risk of losing sight of ever being content. In sharing her story, Karen struggles to do the most challenging thing she's ever done, forgive her father and let go of the legacy of bitterness and fear that has hovered over the Jewish community following centuries of anti-Semitism. And this is the story of Descendants of Rikron, which is now a script that is being made into a movie that again won the LA Film Festival here in November, just, I don't know, just a couple weeks ago. Right, Karen? Welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to be here today. So this is exciting. Tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us all about what happened with with the uh, the book going into the script, and then how it how you got to be selected and awarded with the LA Film Festival for your script. Thank you. So uh, I wrote the book, which was a very nice chapter of the book my memoir is about, and then I decided this was um, a story that many people can identify with. Um, many of us have been have grown up in households where there's abuse or you feel there's some kind of neglect or um, even in the workplace there's harassment and all sorts of abuse and from family, friends, strangers. And so this is a story, it's not just a story of a Holocaust survivor coming to America and inflicting pain on his family, but it's a story that everyone can identify with because everyone's been hurt um, in their lifetime. And it's how to get past that hurt and how to learn to heal. So I share my story and I share what has worked for me. Um, and I thought um, during the past several years, I've been speaking in throughout Chicagoland and synagogues and churches and book clubs and so many places. I spoke in New York and also in Germany and Poland. But I thought another way to get this message out would be to have a script um, written, which would be based on my memoir. So I had hired um, two two guys from LA to write a script, and it's it's more of a dramedy. It's it the ad we added a lot of humor to the story to make it. Um, so it's not as emotional and brings some mm-hmm. heat. And so um, since the script had been completed, um, I've been sending it out to the different festivals um, to see if, you know, to see if I may be able to <laughs> the different festivals. So the LA Live Book Festival selected my script and then I became a finalist. And then they actually chose my script as the... Um, the winner of the Hemingway Award. And so the virtual film fest was this week. Unfortunately, during COVID, there was no, I, I would have been in LA this week. Oh my gosh. It would have been COVID. I was also selected, uh, my script was selected for the Eastern European Film Festival, which takes place in Warsaw because the, the book and the movie is also takes, my father was born in Rygrud, Poland. And so, a lot of the story takes place in Poland. We learn more about his years early on um, as a, growing up in the small village and um, how he survived for three and a half years in the forest. So that's another festival that I was uh, selected. And, and one other small festival in um, Atlanta, Georgia. So um, 
So that's what I've been doing. Um, and I'm so happy for you. Yeah. We've, we've been going, we've been following this journey for a while now here. I don't know how many years yeah. it's been since you wrote so your book. I'm, so I'm praying that one day, sooner than later, that someone will come along and say, I love this script. Um, I want to be the executive producer. I want to help raise money. I want to give you money and we'll make a movie. So that's what my ultimate dream is. Um, for this script. And so the, the really the key is to help people understand about not only trauma and how it affects us, but be able to learn to forgive and to move forward so that we're not continuing to carry that hatred within our hearts and that bitterness. Because, you know, as we see now in our current climate with a lot of what is happening in the world where a lot of people's anger is being, you know, being brought forth, that really affects us. It affects us not only emotionally, but it affects us physically and affects our families. And so, you know, your story is really about trying to change that, again, that climate of helping people to shift from, from fear and separation and anger and hatred into love and forgiveness. I know you've had a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, but you had some backlash with that, haven't you, in your community? Um, some of my community, um, so when I talk about forgiveness, the book is basically, and the movie is, a, it's about a story of uh, me, a daughter, learning to forgive her father. But I, I took that message of forgiveness and I applied it also um, as a Jew toward um, what has, toward the um, Germans um, who had created havoc and destruction um, in Europe. And, um, and so... Before I left for Poland, um, I asked some friends if they could ever forgive um, uh, the Germans or the Nazis for what they have done to your family. I have many friends who are children of survivors, mm -hmm. and it, it's very difficult. And I, I understand why they feel that way, and they absolutely said no and never. I had um, one um one guy friend who said um, he hasn't even forgiven the Babylonians for what they've done <laughs> yeah. 2000 years ago. So, um, and, and so, uh, and, and when I asked another friend, she had said that I need to be very careful what I write in my memoir, because this message of forgiveness sounds very Christian mm -hmm. and, um, which is also kind of amusing. Um, but I was raised in an Orthodox environment and I learned about forgiveness from my rabbis and my teachers. Um, and when I learned about forgiveness um, from you and we had long, lengthy conversations, it was another way, um, it was a different thought process of forgiveness. And, it's, and for me, it's about, I've been given this, experience in life what am I going to do with it am I going to hold on to it am I going to let it suck me in it happened I had a um a difficult childhood am I going to hang on to it and hang on to all those negative emotions or or can I learn to let it go forgive my father and move on and so the the message hope the movie will have this message this is why I'd like it to be made into a movie. It's a, a message that many can, um, you know. Can relate to. Hopefully yeah, relate to. Or, or learn from, yeah, my experience. Um, 
but there's no profit. You know, I'm not profitizing. I, you know, this is just, this is just what has worked for me and may not work with others and others may disagree. And that is, I'm fine. You know, everyone has their own process and way of healing. This was my way that worked for me. And so let's, let's fast forward a little bit and move into um, how you came to write your second book, how you moved into now working on, I think you're, you said the working title was Conjoined, is that Yeah, the working title now is called Conjoined. And um, while I was speaking and um, I remember there was this one gentleman who stood up and what, when I speak and share the story of this uh, book, of my memoir, um, I always talk about my father's ancestry, our family lineage. My father was born as Avram Yankel Steinsapir of Rygrud, Poland. But he changed his name from Avram Steinsapir to Ari Kaplan. And I'm Karen Kaplan, so I've kept my name <laughs> And I didn't find out about why he used this alias until I was a teenager. And I asked my dad, why did you change your name? And he said, you know, he held up his hand and pointed his index finger and he spoke sternly to me with his Polish accent. He said, I changed my name, saved me. I used this identity and saved me during the war, but don't ever talk about this again. So I never thought much about this name change. I always wondered why I'm not a Karen Steinsapir, but <laughs> I let it go. And then while I was speaking one day, one gentleman stood up and said, well, you've just shared with the lineage of the Steinsapirs way back to the Spanish Inquisition, where our family was expelled from Spain in the late 1400s and then traveled all throughout Europe and made their way into Poland and settled in Rygrud. But who is this man, Ari Kaplan? And it was the strangest thing because during that week, I thought about that and I said, who is this man whose name I carry? I wanted to know about him. Is he, was he a stranger to my father? Why did my father want to tell me about this? What were they friends? Did he know him from Rygrad? Did he meet him during the war? I why did my father change his name? Why did he use this ID? I, I had all these questions <laughs> in my mind, and I thought I want to learn more about this man named Ari Kaplan. You know, the name Kaplan will continue on through our family. So I went ahead and started researching the name Ari Kaplan. Well, Kaplan is a Jewish name. Um, it's an Eastern European. Many Germans, Poles, and Hungarian Jews are named Kaplan. So I knew this man was Jewish, so I went to the United States Holocaust Museum. They have an archive division um, and looked up the name and had some people help me. And there was a few Kaplans, a few Ari, but no one in the same age range as my father. I also went on these Jewish genealogical websites, couldn't find anything. I went to, um, looked up at the Statue of Liberty. They have a huge website for all the um, refugees that came in. And I found a man named Ari Kaplan that came February 2nd, 1950, into Ellis Island. But that was my father. Mm -hmm. already is. Yeah. So, um, I even went and well met here. They have a church that's affiliated with the Mormon Church in Utah. 
And uh, the Mormons had collected all this data in Europe. And um, I worked with some people there for a week to help me find, who is this man, Ari Kaplan? And, and I, I was in the dead end. And I, every place that I thought I could find some information, nothing. Get in. So I called you up one day, said, Leah, I'm so <laughs> frustrated. I want to know about this man whose name I carry. I, can you help me out? And is there any other institution you think I might call? Maybe. And I also worked with my Polish tour director in Poland. And he, tra- I mean, I went through every possible way. And you said to me, well, Karen, why don't we just conjure up the spirit? And I, I was, <laughs> okay. So I know that at times when we, oh, that works for nothing. You have to do all that. I know. I spent six months. Okay. So that, so I said to you, well, okay. I, during sessions with you, I talked to my mother in spirit and my brother in spirit, but I know them. How crazy that I can speak to someone that I don't even know if he's dead and that he would come through. I thought that was the strangest thing. And you said, well, let's just give it a shot. Mm-hmm. So we set up a meeting. And during our first session, um, you know, I was nervous and, and I, I couldn't sleep the night before. I was wondering could this be possible? Can I actually meet this man named Ari Kaplan? And I thought, well, maybe he met my father during the war. Maybe they were in the forest together. Maybe they helped rescue saved Jews. Or maybe he actually knew him in Rygrud. Maybe they were friends, schoolmates. I just, all these different ideas kept going on. So we set up our meeting and the you do your channeling, you do your prayers, and then all of a sudden you're in the, your trans-like state, and then you start to think, <laughs> I am here, the um, spirit of Ari Kaplan. And I was getting really excited. And he, Ari Kaplan said through you that he was a soldier in the war. He was very timid and shy when, as he came through, as you mentioned, and he said... He was from the town of Rygrud. And I said, oh, then he's got to know my father. And I said, I guess, well, tell me about yourself and tell me about your family. I want to know. He said his father was Joseph. His mother was Henrietta Kaplan. He had two older sisters. They lived in Rygrud. His parents were fairly, have done fairly well. They owned a store and they were able to help serve the community and because of the war, the soldiers, they were able to feed the soldiers and they were therefore remained alive during the war because they kept the store open to provide for food and supplies. And I was all excited. I said, well, where was your store? And he said, well, in the north end of the village. I said, oh, right by the uh, the church. And he said, there's no church in Rygrid. Ry- I said, then I started like arguing with him. Like, <laughs> I've been to Rygrid twice. There is a huge Gothic red brick church, Catholic church in Rygrid. You, you can't miss it. You can see it from one end to the other end. Then he continued on and said, Well, um, across the street from my parents' door is a train station. And 
every afternoon I would wait there under the lamppost for this young woman that I that I liked. But because of the war, I could never meet her, marry her. He also mentioned that he had a limp. He was born with a limp. It was similar to polio, but it was called, he had a club foot. And him and his family, he would go to school. He would then work at his the parents' store. His parents would work every day at night. They would often go picnicking by the lake, which there is a lake in Rygrud. And he'd go uh, sled riding down the hills in Rygrud, which there is a nice hill in Rygrud, um, right near the lake, overlooking the lake. So there was a few common elements that seemed right. But when he said train station, I said, whoa, Lee, what are you visualizing? And you said, Karen, I'm seeing a train. I'm seeing tracks. And on this old building, I see the name Rygrud. And I said, <laughs> I don't know who you're talking to. But I knew you were talking to someone who died, but I didn't know who. And I said, you know what, Lee, let's end the session now because um, it's not making sense. And you were totally fine with it. And we ended the session and you said, you know what, Karen, you'll figure this out. <laughs> you always do. <laughs> so I, I was so upset because I, I was, I had my hopes, were so, my expectation hopes were so high. And then, I thought, then, then I got the wrong channel or something, right? Yeah, you're talking to some other guy. I don't know who you were talking to. And and so I started three weeks on the internet, day in and day out. I went ahead and looked up the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church was built in, 19, in 1908. It was erected in 1908. And he said that his father moved from this other town to Rygrud, a couple in 1914 and he had the store. So the church was already built before the store got there. So that didn't make sense. And then he said the train station. So what did I do? I started looking up um, how the trains went from war, the capital Warsaw to Bialystok, the largest city in the Northeastern area of Poland, where my father's Rygrad is and how the trains connected and from Bialystok, how they the train tracks connected up north toward Rygrud. They never connected up north. They connected south or west of the city, but never into Rygrud. I said this, I thought, well, maybe the tracks were bombed during the war. But this wasn't making sense. I got so frustrated. And finally, on the last day, like after three weeks, I finally typed in the word Rygrud train station. I Googled the word, and all of a sudden, you know what happened? There's a picture of a train a train station with an old train station named Rygrun on, and there's four passenger car stations. There's this lamppost. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And I screamed, and I jumped out of my chair, and I called my husband, Bobby. I said, Bobby, Bobby, come look. And, and he doesn't believe in any of this. And he looked at this. He was wide-eyed and his mouth was dropped. And he's like, I don't believe this. I go, so I had to look on satellite maps and I tried <laughs> to find this town of Rygrad. You know where it is? There's another town called Rygrad in Poland, but it's not on the northeast part where my father's from. It's more central northwest. There's two towns called Rygrad. And I looked at this town 
It's the small little farm village. There's no municipal buildings. There's not a church in sight. But they do have a train station. So I couldn't wait to call you to say, Lee, <laughs> we're talking to a man named Ari Kaplan, who, how crazy is that? He come, he lives in the city of Rygrod, and there are only two Rygrods in Poland. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I have to learn more from this man. I wanted to know how he knew, how, did he meet my father? What, what, you know, I, so we had another session. And in this session, we talked about how he was a soldier in the war. Mm-hmm. And at first, when he said he was a soldier, had he been living in my father's town of Rygrad near the Russian border, he would have been a Jew fighting with the Jewish partisans in the forests with the Soviet Red Army, or he could have been conscripted into the Russian army, fought on the Russian front, which meant death, against the Nazis. But he lived more on the western part of Poland, which is borders with Germany. So he lived in that part of Poland. So I thought he obviously was in the Polish army, the Polish underground, and that's what he that's where he was a soldier during the war. So our next session with you, he tells me, and you said he's coming in a little bit more timid and a little more anxious. And he said, Well, I asked him, Where where what you know, tell me about your service. And he said, the a, a Polish sergeant came to his their house in Rygrod. He knew his father. His father was mayor from another town and moved to Rygrod in 1914. And he told his parents that Ari, Ari has to go into the war and you will keep your store open and he will be my personal assistant in the war. Don't worry about him. He's slow. He has the club foot. He will just cook for me. Um clean my clothes, carry things that I need. And Ari said, my mother was very nervous because two, her, her two daughters were sent up north. Their husbands were fighting in the war. And now her youngest son was now going into the war as a soldier. And his father said he must go into the war to serve his country. And so he went into the war. And, our, and during the session, he was kind of feeling a little, I don't know, he's uncomfortable and he said, please don't judge me. And I said, why would I judge you? There's no reason for me to, I, I don't judge anymore. And I, there's, and he said, well, I went into the army and they treated me like I was an imbecile. I was stupid that I didn't know what was happening. They treated me, they thought because of my physical handicap, they thought I was stupid. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they beat me. I was very slow. I ended up carrying our artillery, hauling artillery, carrying weapons for the soldiers. It's not what they told my parents. And they just treated me and they abused me. And then I was sent to, as a soldier, low rank, no, you know, no stripes into Auschwitz to tie up the prisoners in Auschwitz. I said, wait a second, I'm not understanding this. And then he said, then he continued on the story. He said, eventually he went AWOL. He couldn't take how he was being treated. And after a year and a half, one day, he said, the rivers were full 
and he was asked to take his jugs and, and, and to fill up the jugs with water and bring them out back to the prisoners so they can have some water. He just decided at that point, he went to the river, he had a knife, he grabbed a little bit of food, and he ran and ran and ran. And he he said, the soldiers wouldn't care if I never came back because they didn't like me, they mistreated me anyway. And so then... Um, for three days, he ran in the forest. It was the third night. It was cold. It was hailing. The winds were howling. And he tripped over a rock. And he fell and hit his head. And he cracked his skull. He died that night of hypothermia and starvation. And he was angry. How dare they treat me like this? And I said, you went AWOL? from the Polish army? He goes, I was never conscripted in the Polish army. I said, well, what army were you in? He goes, I was in the German army, the Wehrmacht. And I said, Lee, are you sure what you're hearing here? And he said, yeah. And I said, how does a Jew whose name is Ari Kaplan is conscripted into the German army? as a soldier, a low-level soldier, a slave soldier, but that doesn't make sense. And so we ended the session, and I started to, of course, went online again and learned that on the German border of Poland, many German Jews had moved into Poland. Well, Ari's father, Joseph, married Henrietta, a non-Jew, and they raised their family in Rygrud. When the Polish sergeant came along, he he uh, told um, my he he told Joseph that he would be um, enlisted in the army and he would be helping the Polish people, but he wasn't. He was he was fighting side by side with the Nazis. So they tricked many of the Poles, and so. He was forced to do things against his own people, against the Jews and against the Polish people in the camps in Auschwitz. And he just couldn't take it anymore and he went AWOL. So when I went online to discover this, I found that there were 150,000 foot soldiers like Ari that were forced to join the German army. Many of them were Mischling, meaning mixed blood. It's a German word for mixed blood. So you may have had a parent or a grandparent that was part Jewish. And only during the first two years of the war had Hitler allowed 150,000 foot soldiers who were part Jews to be enlisted. And they came from only two provinces in Poland. Mm -hmm. One was Pomerania, which was where this Ari Kaplan Rygrad was. So now this is making sense. So now, so then then we had another session and he says, so I said, well, okay, you were a soldier in the German army. And he says, please forgive me. I meant no harm to harm our people. Please forgive me. And then he went on to talk about, I said, well, how did my father meet you? He goes, well, while I was laying dead in the forest, all alone, your father, my father, who was running in the forest for three and a half years early on, he came upon my body. He rolled me over. 
And the spirit said, I noticed there was icicles forming on my beard. And your father kept rummaging through all my pockets and my clothes. And I tried to fight him off and I was punching him and fighting him. But it wasn't, I, I couldn't. And then my father opened up my pocket and he found a pouch which had my army ID. He found my knife. He took it. He took off my clothes and he put. No great adventure ever started with. So there I was on the couch. Adventure should be fun. Adventure should be rugged. Adventure should take you someplace new. And if you ask me, there's no better place to start your adventure this spring than at your local Honda dealer, where new Hondas are arriving daily. Check out the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, Accord, Civic, and more. So you can stay on the couch if you want to, but I'm going to find adventure in a new Honda. Hurry into your local Honda dealer before they're gone. We're all yearning to get back out there. Wide open sounds good. Fresh air feels great. In a place where world-class outdoor recreation and uncrowded mountain towns make you feel right at home. With 1.5 million acres of stunning parks and public land, the uncommon escape you've been longing for is here in West Virginia. Plan your heavenly escape at wvtourism.com. Put it on. And I realized that's when my father found the ID. And then Ari Kaplan, the spirit, said to me, I finally put two and two together and realized that I was dead, but my soul could not move on. I was so troubled and so angry at Hitler and the Germans that I couldn't see the light. And he said, when your father came upon me, he was so, he said, his, my father's soul was fractured. He was traumatized. He wasn't even in his body. He said, the spirit said to me, like a flea that hops on the back of a horse, mm-hmm. I decided to take my energy and merge my energy into your father's body. And he said, it was easy because your father's whole energy system was fractured. Mm-hmm. And he said, please, please forgive me. And I said, looked at, I, I looked at you and I said, you're a dibbick. And he goes, call me what you want. But I didn't want to stay there in the forest watching the animals eat on my decay and the vultures eat my decayed body. So I hopped into your father's body and I was a Dybbuk in Yiddish. It's there was folklore about Jewish spirits um, um, going at, you know, invading another Jewish body. And he says, I was just in, I was an entity attachment. I said, And I was freaked out. I said, my father had an entity. I said, well, how long did you stay in my father's body? He said, till the day he died. And I was freaked out. I said, he stayed? There's another energy, another personality inside my father. And he says, Karen, please, please forgive me. You know, those moments when your father, one moment was happy and the next moment he was angry one moment he was one way and the next moment you didn't know when your father would become enraged and abusive. He goes, part of it was me and my personality and my energy that infused into your father. 
And, he, and you saw him, you actually saw a picture of your parents' wedding picture and you saw, when did you see that? Which was actually Eric Kaplan. Tell us about that. That is, this is really interesting. Okay, uh, the stories now, you know, the stories were unbelievable because I realized that he was inside my father's body all his life and he was like a fly on the wall in my house. So now I could ask him all these questions that I never had answers to about my father and the war and, and, and secrets and mysteries of, of my father's past. So he said to me during one of our eight sessions, he said, Kieran, you've seen me. I said, I've seen you. I'm not intuitive like that. I don't, I don't have those eyes to see aura. How could I even see you? He said, that picture of your parents' wedding photo. And all of a sudden, I gasped. I said, that's you. I thought it was the devil behind my father. So what happened was, if you, in my book, I, there's a chapter that I wrote about my mother and my father and when they met. And there's a picture of my parents, their wedding photo. Mm-hmm. And it's always been hanging on my wall in my old house. I snapped a picture from my phone. I looked at the picture on my phone and I saw this man or shadow of a man behind my father. And I freaked out. I said, it looks like a devil. And I took the picture down and I put it away in a closet for months because I was too scared to put it back on the wall. So I took that picture and put it in my book because this is what my plans were. And it's hard to see here, but... In the back, there's a silhouette of a man with a beard looking down at my father. And he goes, Karen, not a devil. That's me behind your father. I mean, the craziest stories come out of our sessions, lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was, it was very fascinating. Even I was fascinated. One session after other, I'm flabbergasted. I'm shocked. And... And so I knew that, and our and the spirit knew that I was writing a book, and he was very nervous about what I was going to say about mm-hmm. him and his family, being that he was a Nazi or he worked alongside the Nazis. He wasn't a Nazi, you know, he was in the German army. He was nervous about that, and I and you know, and I, you know, of course I forgave him. He he was he said he was like uh, like the children who were who were forced to join the Hitler youth movement, they turned on their parents. It was that, that type of thing that they did with many of the people during the war in, uh, in the German army. So, and so how are you putting this book together now? What, what kind of format are you writing? Cause you know, it took a lot of courage for you to write about your own personal story with your dad and forgiveness. And now, now, you know, you're moving into entity attachments. So no, this is insane. I've never thought I'd write about an entity attachment. So it's really in the form of a memoir. Um, and my, how I go about searching and during, and our sessions. And um, so it's so fascinating, you know, like I can't even, put it down. You know, I go from one chapter to the next and it's just mind boggling this whole thing. But then the second part of the book, um, we had, I had so many questions about Dybbuk's or entity attachments and, 
and like one of the, so in the second half of the book we discuss all about entity attachment. How are, are are some people more inclined to be invaded by an attachment? How do you know if someone has an entity attachment versus a personality disorder? So we had a lot of discussions about that as well, and I put all that in the second part of our memoir. And this, I think, will be a fascinating movie. Just this book, I think, will be completely fascinating as a movie because it'll it will. Um, you know, be part, I mean, it will be a true story, but in the sense that, you know, it'll also be uh, um, uh, like the movie of Ghost or something like that, where, you know, it, it people are interested in the supernatural. So to me, this is, this will be, I know you're going to make this movie, this book into a movie. I think, I think I just know what I can really feel it. I feel like it will be really, really, really successful. So, um, for those of who don't always understand about entity attachments, um, not that I'm an expert about it, but I do know that, like Karen said, when someone is traumatized or they've been abused, their soul is, in again, very in a fragile state. And so uh, if people are not balanced, then actually other energies can attach to our energy. And so your dad was in truly in a, a very traumatized state. And so that really makes sense for Ari Kaplan to be able to, to attach to him. And your dad was not even aware of it, you know, not even aware. And so his personality was affected uh, and his behavior was affected. And so this is, um, I think, going to be a really fascinating I'm going to say book, but movie slash movie. When this comes out, can you you can see that you'll see like your dad maybe like people might think he's bipolar or have mental illness, but um, there's a fine line between entity attachments and people's changing of their personalities. Yeah, can you can you explain like how would how would somebody know that? Like, how would you know versus a personality disorder or an attachment? And and what's the remedy? How, if you do know that you have an attachment, how mm -hmm. these exorcisms that happened in the, in the church, and also I looked up in my own religion, and uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago in Europe, they did exorcisms in synagogues. So mm -hmm. I found that fascinating. Um well, one of the uh, one of the ways that people can can perhaps identify that maybe if they have an attachment is if they're behaving in an unusual way that's that's not their normal behavior. Maybe it just came on suddenly. Where if someone had mental illness, that usually begins to happen in you know early onset of our adult years. If we have like schizophrenia or bipolar, and our behavior begins to shift. But if let's say we're 50 years old or 40 years old or whatever, and all of a sudden we're, we start behaving erratically or um, as Spirit has told me, some of some of the individuals who have um, been responsible for some of the mass shootings that have happened, you know, in our country oh, yeah. had had entity attachments where these negative energies are using our bodies um, to fuel their own anger and rage. And so, again, if we're in a vulnerable state, uh, then these attachments can come. So we just be aware of if for some reason, if we're feeling depressed or feeling suicidal or if we're acting erratically, uh, perhaps we're drinking or doing drugs or doing something that we don't normally do. Um, 
that we can go to uh, a healer. Uh, there are people that specialize in this work in terms of clearing entity attachments from uh, other people. Uh, not, you know, like you said, the priests or the rabbis, but also there are people in the metaphysical community that understand this uh, and can assist you. So it's not to frighten you, but this is this is very real, especially for um, those who uh, are open, uh, especially people who, again, who perhaps maybe have mental illness or use drugs or alcohol, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It can. I have a friend who had an entity attachment that um, didn't know she had it for years, but her family knew she was behaving erratically. And so she finally was directed to a, a minister here in Florida and the lady works with clearing into attachments and then she was healed from that. So um, th this is very real, but for your dad, you know, he was not aware. And probably even if someone told him this, he probably wouldn't have believed it anyway. Um, right, but he would have believed it. But um, the spirit told me that he would try, he was like my dad's conscience, and he would try to tell my dad to stop beating my mother or to stop sleeping around and to stop. And every time the spirit tried to um, leave the body, my father would go, um, go crazy and get enraged and just become abusive. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and so after a while, he started to try to talk to my father and my father heard voices in his head, but he didn't understand that that was coming from the energy attachment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he wasn't really there to harm your dad. He was just actually there. He was frightened. Right. Yeah. So that makes it even more fascinating that he did. He wasn't there to to provide any negativity or evil energy to your dad. It was, he was, but he's about 19. Is that how old he was? I can't remember. Well, how old he, was. he was a couple of years younger than my father. And um, so they, they were just a few years apart. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to ask you, um, I know that we've worked together for many years and you um, uh, are a researcher and you are skeptical, and yet, how did all this play out for you? I know that it was difficult for you, and and it probably was you probably thought I was you know totally a nut, but you persisted on. What what pursued you to continue to to pursue this? Just just because you wanted to understand your dad better, or I know you're 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 driven, but it was like you were you've always been one who um, you you use that balance of healthy skepticism with, you know, diving in and trying to figure out, you know, what is happening. So, you know, I really respect you for that. Well, I try to look at the scientific way, or I tried first to do the conventional type of research, but when I came to a dead end with that, and there was, you know, I, I, I didn't know where, what country to start with in Europe, Poland, Germany, where, you know, Hungary, um, I, and I tried my best for like six months going at this. And I thought I'd ask you, hoping that you'd give me another institution. But no, um, you, you just gave me the shortcut. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that's what, um, that's what my work does. It just gets right to, to the uh, root of it. You know, I was, my Hebrew name is Chaya Leah. I was named after two of my father's older sisters that were murdered in the Holocaust. 
um, and for many Jews, um, naming uh, European Jews, naming your your child after someone that died or in this case perished in the Holocaust, you know, you want to pay respect to the so I was confused, you know, my two brothers and I were named after all the relatives of my father's family, where our Hebrew names were, and I didn't understand why we didn't carry on Steinsapir. And I thought, and I, I, I really wanted to understand that. I wanted to understand what was this about this man that my, was it just pure paranoia, which my father carried his whole life? Um, or was there a reason, a secret behind it, of which Ari Kaplan, the spirit, was able to share everything about my father, that everything that I asked about. And it's just amazing. He opened my eyes up to my father's mind and his whole way of thinking and all these questions that I had about my childhood. He gave me the answers to, and it, it, they all made sense. And it probably really helps you to continue on with the healing process with your dad, you know, in the continuing healing of forgiveness. So yeah. because you had a, the higher or the bigger perspective of what's going on with your dad, it just wasn't, he was, you know, hateful and mean, but right. there was this entity attachment that was affecting well, his, his anger from his death and from his life in the army brought that energy and it fused with my father. So kind of double the negativity mm-hmm. um, the negative energy in my father's body, double the anger and the fear. Um, and my father took also on his personality of that, that part of the, his energy. Mm-hmm. So just never knew. Um, when, um, when my, um, when I was, when I went with a couple of girlfriends into Madison, I have a girlfriend that is a rabbi and she asked one of us to come up during the Saturday service to say a prayer over the Torah. I uh, went up there, and normally you say your name, daughter of, and I normally would say I'm Karen Kaplan, daughter of Ari Kaplan and Harriet Kaplan. But this time I said I am daughter of Avram Yankel Steinstepier. And I wanted, I said that because I wanted my father in spirit to know that. I wanted to bless him and help him remember who he was before June 22nd, 1941, when he witnessed that home invasion and his family butchered and his life was altered from that day. I, I blessed him. I wanted him to, to be that young boy who was more innocent and um, had hopes and dreams of, of living a, a life in Poland versus being a refugee. And um, so it was helpful for me to know that um, I blessed my father with his birth name because that's who, you know, it, it really was, you know. Yeah, important for yeah. him to be acknowledged. Yeah, for who yeah. he truly was. Yeah. yeah, for his authentic self, his true yeah. self. His true yeah, self. His namesake. Yeah. Well, what are your, um, I know you're working on this, and is there a time frame that you're, finishing up with this when this book might be coming out? Um, no, but um, I'm, I, I, I have all the chapters written out. I need to help. I need them to get edited and I need them to um, have someone just edit the whole book. And then, um, yeah, it, it, it may take a while. My other book took me four years from the time I started. I started this 
in March during COVID. Um, and so I've been working at it each day. And you, what would you like for uh, the audience? Uh, what would you like to put out to the audience today? I know that you you are hoping to find producers uh, and investors in your book or the script for Descendants, right? So, what do you what do you wish to leave with the audience today for those who are listening? And do you have a final message for them? Um, well, that if if well for me personally, I'd like to find somebody to help me with this, but that we all have stories and we all have histories and we all have our unique backgrounds. And if there's something that they might want to share and put down on paper to leave Mm -hmm. um, for their families, this is a perfect opportunity if they have some extra time during this, whether it's about their family, their background, or about any thoughts that they Mm -hmm. write them down and they can create so many beautiful stories that they can hand down to their children and families and so on. And how is your family taken to this or your friends well, to this, to this piece? Cause now, you know, you're so what I said into the unknown my, here. Yeah. So some of my family members who don't, you know, there's one thing about believing in the spirits and the spiritual world. I mean, there are different levels of this and some of my friends could, under some of my friends believe that there are spirits and that they can connect with us. Some of them don't, but then there's more things out there that I've learned through you, like, you know, aliens and, you know, (laughs) brothers and sisters and okay. You know, so I'm open to learning about um, really anything, but for those who are skeptical, then I would say consider this book as a sci-fi paranormal book in that kind of category and mm-hmm. it from that perspective because I, I was skeptical too, um, highly skeptical. Um, so you can look at it as a uh, paranormal type sci-fi book and you don't have to believe in any of this, but it's a really good story. So. <laughs> yes, and you definitely are a hard sell, so you made me work hard. Yes, I yeah, I don't take anything at face value. Proof, 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 proof. And when I get enough of the proof from the spirit world, then I have to sit back and say, okay, this cannot be coincidence after coincidence after coincidence. This makes sense. So, yeah. Well, it was a fascinating process. I You have such a good memory. I don't remember, you know, I just remember bits and pieces of it but you have such a uh, such a fabulous memory of of what was brought forth or what was channeled i just remember that uh um that it was fascinating that i that i had empathy for both your father and for ari kaplan for the story because it's you know as we know it's somewhat unusual but it it, it was it's truth yes and then I thought about all these young men that were sending over to, to, to fight in all these wars and what they witnessed, just like this young man, Ari Kaplan, or my father, what they've witnessed and what it does just to their psyche, to their bodies. I mean, they can come back with being handicapped with hands or fingers yeah. or arms, yeah. up. But, but on an energy level, their energy inside of them is 
fragmented and scattered that they come back so broken that it, and it, it not only affects them, but it affects everyone around them. It affects the next generation. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's, it's, it's very difficult when someone goes off to war. I mean, what happens in, on, on an energy level as well, not just a physical or a mental, but an energetic level. Yeah. And why it's really important for us to, um, to begin to heal the wounds of our past so that we just don't continue to carry this within our own DNA and pass it down to our own family. I know that your children uh, don't bear the same scars that you you have. I mean, you've been a great mother, and and but that's a whole different lineage. But it's still within uh, the genetic lineage, the epigenetics of us. That perhaps do you want to? We just got a couple of minutes of that, but do you want to speak well, to that? If you have a parent or a grandparent who has gone through major trauma, famine, suffering, um, and. Uh, we are affected. My friends and I, who are children of Holocaust survivors, our DNA, our biological makeup is affected. We're very different than other of our of our other friends whose parents have not gone through major trauma. Mm-hmm. Our DNA has changed. It doesn't take thousands of years to change your DNA. It's from one generation to the next. So that some of us have, may have higher, you know, cortisol levels, and mm-hmm. and I I also have in some ways I don't know if it's PTSD, but I've startled reflex when mm-hmm. I hear loud noises or or quick movements. I, I I startle and scream so easily. Is that from being a um, brought up in my home? Is it's also part of the uh, epigenetics, um, and so it's. It's really important that I learn to heal my psyche with forgiveness mm-hmm. because then, you know, your body is connected to your, your, your mental body and to your energy body. And, and once you help heal one part of that, it helps soothe the other parts of your body. So for me, the healing came when I was able to calm my nerves in my body, learn to forgive and let go of the anger. And that's really important. And so this is really the message, truly the message of uh, both Karen's book, not only is it entertaining, but it's really about forgiveness and being at peace and uh, helping ourselves to stay balanced and centered. So Karen, I know our, our time is, is, uh, has ended here today, but I know I'll have you back on again. I'm so grateful for you and having an open mind and being able to uh, trust my work with spirit. And uh, it's been fascinating. So go ahead and give uh, those out there your your uh, information about how they can acquire your book and, and your website. And if they have any questions to contact you. Well, if you have any questions, um, you always can contact me on my website. It's posted up there. Um, you can get my book on Amazon. It's called Descendants of Rygrud, Learning to Forgive. I'm doing also book talks on Zoom. Um, so if you're part of a book club and you want me to come and speak, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, and 
And thank you for having me today. You're welcome. It's always fun. I love having you on my show and I love working with you. And I love these projects that we've done together over the years. I know I don't remember when this all started, but it's it's been a while. It's probably been at least 10 years. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah, it's definitely um, we're the unlikely pair, but you know, somehow we work together, right? Yeah. We work well together. So thank you, my dear friend. God thank bless you. you. And uh, I'm so excited for you and the excitement of um, the LA Film Festival and the award and all the excitement I know you're just going to continue on because you have that um, not only do you have that little lucky streak I think but uh, I feel like it's your destiny to bring this forward so it'll all work out so thank you, thank you my dear so happy for you so thank you all right we'll talk again have a blessed day bye bye-bye honey bye-bye that was Karen Kaplan she is always fascinating and she is such a delight I'm honored to be her friend and to help share what I can to bring her story forth. Uh, we've come in co-collaboration together. So I know that she and I have been together in other lifetimes and we feel like we're spiritual sisters. So we're co-collaborating together. So it's, again, it's an unusual partnership, but uh, I think it's, it's, it's been destined. And so just stay tuned. Karen's going to do lots of good work. Speaking about peace, tomorrow is my monthly 12 Mastery Teachings class, and I am now on into November, and it is the 11th month, and the 11th chapter is peace. So I will be bringing the message from Christ tomorrow about the lesson of peace from my book, The 12 Mastery Teachings of Christ. And again, you can always find my work at leechapin.com if you'd like to see or receive a reading you can certainly call contact me at leechapen at gmail.com if because well, i do individual and personal readings i also uh, teach classes uh, and have done the master classes here through goldilocks productions and uh, continue on with intuitive development classes both uh, privately and will continue on with goldilocks productions uh, also my book divine union the love story of jesus and mary magdalene is both available on my website, both in audiobook as well uh, is in print form and in Kindle, as well as the 12 Master Teachings are also in audiobook. So if you prefer to listen to my books uh, in audio, uh, take a look at my website again, leechapen.com. Uh, next week, we will have um, another fascinating guest uh, to be announced, but we will continue on every Monday uh, to be able to share and just inspiring stories. That's why I like to call my show Inspiration from Spirit, because we never really know what spirit is bringing us and how we can stay open to uh, the unseen world. I've been channeling now for 27 years, working with the Ascended Masters, the Galactic Realm, the Angelic Realm, bringing messages from spirit. And so this is another format for me to share with you and to help you to open your mind and expand your mind. Just like when I met Karen and um, we were from two different worlds and you can see how far she's advanced and what she's doing. So you never know what um, spirit has for you and what your higher self and your soul has, has in mind for you as well. So stay open, uh, go in peace, and remember to be the change you wish to see. Have a blessed day. And until we speak again, have a blessed and lovely and loving day. Go in peace. <laughs> Thank you. Become a Goldilocks Productions VIP patron. Receive exclusive access to live stream special and other epic packs. Join the Goldilocks Productions VIP community today. 
No great adventure ever started with, so there I was on the couch. Adventures should be fun. Adventures should be rugged. Adventures should take you someplace new. And if you ask me, there's no better place to start your adventure this spring than at your local Honda dealer, where new Hondas are arriving daily. Check out the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, Accord, Civic, and more. So you can stay on the couch if you want to, but I'm going to find adventure in a new Honda. Hurry into your local Honda dealer before they're gone. Hi, how can I help you today? As a McDonald's employee, you say those words quite often. But how about when you need help, like consulting a doctor? Hi, how can I help you today? When you work for a McDonald's restaurant, we take care of you like family. With free virtual doctor's visits, including getting prescriptions and refills for you and everyone in your family. Apply today at careers.mcdonalds.com and find out more. The benefits described herein are only available at participating restaurants. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.